My name is Anthony Capazzoli, and this is the Dismantled Life Podcast, where we share stories of hope, love, and strength from the darkness of addiction into the sunlight of sobriety. These are stories from people just like us who have lived through the pain and made it. No matter how bad it gets, just know that you can and will recover. It takes work. It takes hard work. Each week, we talk in detail about what it takes to make it, what it takes to beat your addictions. I am a recovering addict from alcohol, cocaine, and nicotine. My addiction started in eighth grade. I am now 50. I had over 40 years of very bad habits to break. I hit rock bottom hard. More than once, I nearly died. I would have left my wife and two young children behind. I've been clean and sober for nearly three years. I completely dismantled my entire life and rebuilt it from the ground up. I believe to make it in recovery, it takes a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual approach. It takes a positive mindset. It takes hard work. It takes a village. Join me weekly to learn from my sober superhero guests on the Dismantle Life podcast. Subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Check me out at dismantle.life. Email me at anthony at dismantle.life anytime. Please be sure to leave a rating and review anywhere you listen to your podcasts and let me know if you want to be on the show. Happy recovery. Well, Angel, I have to say, I'm really excited about having you on the show. Our previous conversation on the phone just a couple of weeks ago now was really interesting. And I am excited to learn about your story uh, and kind of starting with, you know, what life was like in pre-addiction. And I always say this at the beginning of the show, every episode, I'm not a doctor and pre-addiction isn't really a medical term, but I just call it that. What uh, so people understand that what or rather what life was like before you got addicted to whatever it is you're addicted to, whether it's drugs or alcohol or both. Um, so maybe right. by way of conversation, if we could just dive into your pre-story or your pre-addiction, that would be interesting to kind of kick things off. Are you recording already? Yes, ma'am. Oh, dear. I wouldn't have said all that. Oh, um, no, no. So first, to be, to be, to be fair, though, Angel, I'll, I'll delete all of that stuff that we were just talking about. I will only include your story. There'll be nothing gotcha. about, about any of that previous. Else. No, nothing. Gotcha. Not one thing, in fact. Gotcha. Um, and I just record that, the preliminary stuff, so that we just kind of ease into the conversation and everything. So no, no worries about that. I promise you there will be nothing said whatsoever about anything but you and me. <laughs> I am um, binge. I binged, listened to your podcast Thank you. um, the first weekend, and um, then I told my daughters about it. And so, yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you very much. I'm so grateful that you listened, and then that you're uh, more grateful. I'm as grateful, but really appreciate you coming out and being a guest on the show. I started the podcast, and I've said this in many episodes, but. I started it as a way to give back because I've been so blessed with recovery and it changed my life in, in every possible way for the good. Uh, it saved my life from a physical and a mental perspective. It gave me my, my life back to, from my family and all the wonderful good things that come with that. And I started the podcast as a way to give back and help other people find, stay on or get back on the path to recovery. And what's really interesting and I feel bad about it from time to time is I feel like I get more out of the show 
than my listeners do now. And I feel bad about that a little bit because the intention was quite the opposite. It was really to give back and help others, but it's turned out to help me, I fear, more than my listeners and or my guests. And I do I do struggle with that sometimes, but it's from a good place. So it's I don't like feel bad about it like in a terrible way, but I feel guilty about it. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't because it's great. It's great. It just means you're just learning. I mean, in, in life, if you don't continue to learn and stay open-minded, then yeah. you're just miserable. I you agree. know, I've Absolutely learned agree. so much from young people as I have from older people. Definitely. You oh. know, if you just listen to them. I couldn't. Oh, I've learned so much. So Indeed. Much. And, and I, one of the things on the show I have been blessed to have people that are very early in recovery or have been in recovery for many, many years, uh, 25, 30 plus years. And it's been wonderful. So I, I, I've been lucky to have the spectrum of, of, of those of us in recovery. And it's been so interesting because I, first of all, I learned a ton from every one of the guests and that really is the priming or rather the, the primary driver for me is to learn as much as possible and help help people listening to the show learn as much as well. Because even though we have common narratives or common threads in our story, every story is unique and every story gives us the opportunity to learn something. If you listen, it, that's the main thing. And I, I try very hard to talk as little as I can on the episodes, although it might not feel like it right now because I've been doing a lot of talking, but I do try to spend most of my time listening as opposed to talking on the podcast. And it throws people off sometimes uh, as guests, they're like, you don't really talk all that much. And I'm like, well, because this is about you, the guest, not me, the host. I'm just here to add to, to kind of be a part of the conversation, but really more than anything, ask a question and be quiet. Uh, yeah. your, your story is the important story, not mine. No, that's what I love about your podcast, the interaction and the laughter. And then you said that um, you wanted to do one on funny stories because this time I yeah. did write, I, I wrote an outline because every time I tell my story, I forget like really important pieces sure. because actually in, I have nine years, but I've only told my story. This will be the fourth time. Wow. Because <laughs> I had surgeries and stuff. So I missed a lot of the face-to-face -face meetings. Mm -hmm. And then when I would come, I would be in and out recovering in pain. You know what I mean? So I, I never had a chance to stay long enough. And then once COVID hit, that was the end of that. And also I worked, um, I took care of adults with mental and physical handicaps mm -hmm. and I worked a lot. Sure. Double. So I didn't make meetings and then right. the only had were over zoom. So yeah, I just never did it. Well, I am even more honored than I was when I, when we started today, I'm, I'm, I'm more honored that this is the fourth time you're telling your story that that's the fourth time. So thank you very much for coming in and sharing. That is very nice of you. And I love the guests that come on. I, first of all, I love all my guests and I'm so grateful that they come on and, and share such a deep personal story on the airwaves as it were. Um, and we're all here to help other people. You know, that's the best part. And that's the one thing I love about my, not just my podcast about recovery, but all the podcasts about recovery, whatever the style or the approach is, is not just my show on recovery, not, not just the Dismantle Life podcast, but there's so many great podcasts or uh, 
people on Twitter or people on Instagram that give so much to the recovery community. And, and that's the one thing that I've also been very grateful for. There's lots of things I'm grateful for, but specifically in recovery, I, I'm not, I've never been a huge advocate of social media. I've always kind of, I've never really enjoyed it. I, the peacocking around about it gets on my nerves and look at how great I look today, that kind of bullshit. And what I like about the recovery community is that it's not really, a, it's, I love people helping one another and supporting one another and being a part of helping people have good days. And that's the part about the recovery community that I really do love the most. Um, I love, and I'm going to say this, and I say this about myself, and I can say it because I'm in recovery. I like being damaged goods. I enjoy the struggle to have a better day today than I did yesterday, to be better today than I was yesterday. I like the fact that my recovery, my sobriety is my superpower. I've mentioned this on the show many times, and it really mm-hmm. is my superpower. And I think it's all of our superpowers. We've been to hell and back multiple times. And it's not many people can say that and then give so much of ourselves to help other people in recovery. And I'm not beating my chest. Look at how great I am. I'm saying that I love the fact that we all do this proudly, quietly, anonymously, uh, you know, except on the show here, everyone knows my name and, and at least the yes first name in, in many cases. But, but what's great is we're all here to help each other. And that's the beauty. That's, that's the wonderful part. And we're, uh, one of the guests I had before and, Sorry to keep kind of going back here. That's okay. But what I like is our secrets don't have edges anymore. One of the guests said, one of the scariest parts about being an addict is all of our secrets have edges and how true that is. And now that we're out there and publicly sharing and outwardly giving it, it, those edges go away because we're not, I'm not hiding behind them anymore. I don't have that weight on my back because of it. And that's such a huge part of recovery to not be ashamed of who you are or where you've come from. The beauty is in the struggle that really, I do believe the beauty is in the struggle and it's hard to people get for people to get their head around that. It was hard for me to get my head around that for a long time. And yeah. now that I've accepted that in a positive way and appreciate and, and embrace the beauty and the struggle changes everything for me. It, it really yeah. has. Uh, but again, I don't want this to be about me. I'm, I'm sorry. That's I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm no, that's on. all right. When I, I went to be a recovery coach, I wanted to, um, give back and and I thought I'd be good at it and that's what I wanted to do and one of the first things they taught us well it was a whole thing on stigma but instead of saying I'm an addict or I'm an alcoholic or I'm a drug addict um, you introduce yourself as a person in recovery yeah and that it's just it's not so harsh yeah you know no, so I get it. that's what I've been doing I say you know my name's Angel Hoffman and I'm a person in recovery yeah. and it just sounds so much better, even though, <laughs> I mean, it I, I don't, I, it doesn't matter to me. I know I'm an addict. I think, um, I know it's so controversial, controversial. Well, you know, I, I, but I think you're born with certain genes, of mm-hmm. course, from your parents. And I think you have the tendency to be an addict. Not necessarily that you're going to be, mm-hmm. but I think you just have more of a tendency than some other people do. I agree with that. I think that you are inclined to follow in the footsteps, nature or nurture of, you know, your parents and family, et cetera. But I, but I, but I do think that everyone's got their demons, whatever that might mean. 
And whether it's drugs or alcohol or they're addicted to their phone or pornography, who the hell knows what it is. They've all got their thing. They've all got their, their, that little secret that they don't like to talk about at parties or whatever it is. And, and so that's the part of it too, that maybe if we weren't all so ashamed or trying to hide who we really are, it might be a little bit easier from time to time. I mean, I think coming clean with and sharing that pressure um, makes a big difference. And mm-hmm. it, in, in the part for me that was so helpful is when I did hit rock bottom and I hit it very hard many times, being on my deathbed was the gift was a gift to me because it gave me the perspective and the strength to carry on in a positive way and change all that. I had I not changed, I, I would be dead by now. I would be dead now, right. for sure dead. And I'm grateful that I was I was given the opportunity to have that moment to put it all down. And that's the part that I've gotten, you know, emails from listeners, some people I know, some people I don't know who have, and I'm not going to share anybody's name. It's not my place to do that, but they, they've said that they've been inspired by guests on the show for telling their story and giving them the strength to take their first step into sobriety or to continue with sobriety or, or to dust off and get back to sobriety. And that, that's the beautiful thing. You never know what is going to positively trigger or support someone. And that's the part of the show that I love the most and what we do. Um, and with that, I'm dying to hear your story. I can't wait, Angel, okay. to dive in. Okay. And that one, that's the other thing, I think, with a lot of the common um, commonalities or whatever the word is that we all have, is not just addicts, but the world. Everybody tries to impress. Everybody wants to be perfect. Everybody wants to be this thing that is unattainable it is it is you know unattainable so we're afraid for people to see our true selves because then they won't like us or they might not like us and the only thing that i say to that is and it's taken me all these years is i it doesn't matter yeah In, in the you know life it doesn't matter so i'll tell you about myself my name is angel hoffman i was i have three children they are adults now uh, my oldest daughter saved my life. My children are my life. Um, and actually, that's been part of the problem. Uh, there, that's Sarah, Corey, and Shelby. And then I have two grandsons, Jackson and Huxley. And then I have three on the way, and they're all coming end of July, August. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah, this pandemic has been something. I guess um, <laughs> a fruitful family. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my father was an alcoholic um, and his father was an alcoholic. So I grew up from birth to about eight years old in a very dysfunctional household, a loving home. We all loved each other, but it was very dysfunctional. And my father was, um, both my parents are deceased now, but my father was a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde alcoholic. Sure. Brilliant, brilliant man. He was, he worked for the city and every Friday on payday, we knew what was coming. He would come home drunk. He would gamble and drink. And then a fight would, you know, pursue after that. But anyway, so that was how that started. Um, and then my dad took it to the limit and we actually kind of got kicked out of town because he may or may not have wrecked a dump truck into something. 
may or may not have may not, city, yeah, sure. city a vehicle while he was drinking. Anyway, we moved and uh, he decided to become a drug and alcohol psychotherapist. Well, I should back it up a little huh. bit. He did start going to AA. We're from, it's called the Valley. It's in between Youngstown and Pittsburgh. Um, Sharon Hermitage area. It's like a, a small area, a group of towns, and we call it Shenango Valley. So he had started going to AA here. My mom went to Al-Anon, and my brother actually started Alateen in our area with a priest that rode a motorcycle. He was cool, so <laughs> all the kids liked to come to see him on a motorcycle. You know? I would like to you know, see a that, priest yeah. on a motorcycle back right. in the 70s. That was something huge. Um, so that's how that started. And he, he went back to school for a short period of time to become a drug and alcohol psychotherapist. My mom became a counselor. And what we would do is we moved across the state of Pennsylvania and then back again. Um, he would get like we'd move into a town where there's a need in every town. So it didn't matter. He yeah, would just course. pick one off a map. I don't even know how he picked them. I never did ask him that. But he would pick a town, write for grants. He'd mm -hmm. go to the AA meetings, get all the alcoholic and drug addicts to fix up the place like an old church. He would make it into a rehab. And then once it started making money in like a year, year and a half, we would move and do that again. Hmm. So I went to 17 different schools in a matter of like nine years. It was a very short period of wow. time. And so I grew up in the program. Uh, I slept in the cloakrooms at the meetings. Um, I grew up with colorful characters. I learned how to play cards, you sure. know, from the ones that were in jail. And my, we had a cook that was a guy from New York City that, you know, it was just a fun life. Right. And it was very educational. And I loved it. People always ask me, did you like moving that much? But I loved it because it was colorful, it was fun, it was different, it was never boring, never boring. I'll bet not. So, so uh, around 11, I started to dabble in a little bit of alcohol, like I think most of us did in that era. I think it's the era of that, you know, the late 70s, 80s, yeah. 70s. Um, just a little bit of drinking here and there. Well, I just, I never drank like my friends drank. And I've heard a lot of people say this in the, you know, in the addicts that I've talked to. Um, I drank. I couldn't stop. I just couldn't stop. There was no stop button for me. Yeah. No stop. Um, so at 11, it was just here and there, you know, like maybe once a month, no big deal. But by the time we had moved to this one town um, up by the state of New York, Rome, Pennsylvania, it was called my favorite place. I was about 13, 14. My parents were really heavy into working all the time. So we were unsupervised. I had a younger sister, two years younger than me. We were unsupervised a lot. And we took advantage of that. They would leave us like money on the table and we wouldn't see them till nightfall. till it was time to go to bed. So I partied like crazy. And with all the gang of kids I ran with, it was like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if we got caught and it would be drug and alcohols, you know, kids got busted in this big party. I'm like, you know, it's really not funny. Yeah. And I didn't think it was, but I think that's what kids do. I just always took it to a limit. 
Yeah. I mean, no one else seemed to take it. To. Well, for sure. I mean, there's something to be said for, and I'm not suggesting anything here, but the, the concept of the preacher's daughter kind of. Exactly. So exactly. Yeah. And, and we were daredevils. We would like steal my dad's uh, Mercury marquee in the snow. We would push it out to the road, start it. We would drive to the state of New York go bar hopping i was 14 mind you but that was before picture ids you know so yeah I could be for sure tracy my friend who was 21 it didn't matter yeah um we were awful kids i have to say we were really awful um and this continued in my life until my parents got burnt out we moved back home to where i told you we were from the shenango valley my dad at 48 went back to school and became a respiratory therapist, but he was done with drug and alcohol because it's draining. It's a draining 24 hour day business. Um, so my mom went to work. He went to work. We acted kind of normal, but I still partied all the time. Partied my way through college. I, and I got straight A's. I was so lucky to um, be able to do what I did with the amount of partying I was doing. It was awful. So um, when you say party, so partying to me is cocaine and everything, everything, everything. Okay. I just want the to... only thing that I have not done is, is shoot something into my arm. Okay. Everything else I have done. And I had no fear, Anthony, no fear. I, I, you know, we'd had acid, we had Coke, we had everything. Right. But for me, alcohol was always my drug of choice. It was always, and, that's always the first pin or the first uh, domino to fall for me is a drink or two. And then cocaine would come like okay. immediately after. And it's, right. you know, I, I don't want to go too far, off, uh, far afield, but I, there is something to be said with gateway drugs or gateway use of, of drugs and alcohol. And, and I think that if you do one, it's easier to fall into the other things. So anyone that Absolutely. gives me the crap that, Oh, it's just this, or it's just that. It doesn't matter because it's not a hard drug. It's all bullshit. Um, you know, everything starts out that way, right? Nobody starts out an addict per se. And I listen, people are going to say, if you're an addict, you're an addict, you're an addict. It doesn't matter if it's your first drink or your 50th. I'm saying that one, no drug is better than another. They're all terrible. And no matter oh. what, what, how, what level of drug depth you want to assign that drug, it's all problematic. And, and like you said, once you start doing one, it's very easy to fall into two, three, four, and five. Exactly. And with me, I, I, I say it was cigarettes. That was yeah. my first drug. Definitely. Me um, too. Yeah. That was absolutely my first drug with cigarettes. And when I started then, smoking. I hated it, but I just forced know, myself to like it. <laughs> you know what? I think we all did. And I tell my kids all the time, if there is one thing I could take back, it would be the cigarette. Yeah. Because, and that was the hardest for me is the cigarette. And I still struggle with it. I still, yeah. I, I'm, I'm fresh. Um, I heard you quit them all at the same time. I'm like, so proud of you. Thank I'm you. still fresh with the cigarettes and it's, it's annoying. It's annoying to me. It's, it's just hard. horrible. It's hard. But a drug is a drug. It yeah. is. You know, coffee, sugar, I don't care what it is. A exactly. drug is a drug. If you're doing and that's why I think we're all the same in that aspect that I'm no better than a heroin addict or a cocaine addict. 
Oh, or yeah. you know what I mean? An addict is an addict. I don't care what you, but there's that stigma in the world too. Yeah, you definitely. Know, when I'm they assign it. Yeah, that's all crap. I mean, that's you know. people, people that's, you know, and I did the same thing. I justified my crap by saying I'm not as bad as that person or that right. person because right. whatever that because is or whatever that thing that they're doing is worse. Listen, right. um, if you're gambling compulsively, problem you're smoking compulsively it's a problem i mean so whatever that action is um detrimental to your life i mean you know you 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 could as quickly ruin your life with a gambling problem as you can with a cocaine addiction um maybe the path is a little bit different but at the end is the same it's the same or sex addiction or overeating if it disrupts your life if it disrupts your life in any way and that's the other thing that i want people to know because people's question this all the time you can drink a couple times a year it's the way you drink right you know if you drink twice a year and it becomes a fight and you're sleeping on the couch there's a problem yeah and i never understood and i hear i hear people say this all the time people that walk away like that'll have that glass of wine and take a few sips and put it down I would finish everybody's on the table. Oh, hell yeah. There would be nothing standing. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Mine ended up being vodka, but it started out beer because we had keggers, you know, when we were kids. We couldn't afford anything else. I did keggers, yeah, for sure. You know, or a beer ball. I don't even know if they make those anymore, but. I remember those. The court, yeah. Yeah, the beer. Those those were nice and light. Even girls could carry them around. You know, that was no big deal. You could come with your own beer ball. It was, and you know, all of I remember that the margarita just, ball too. They would make these pre-mixed things that you remember. Remember those things? Yeah. Um, and grain. We used to do grain alcohol in a Absolutely. garbage can. We'd put a, yeah. a clean plastic bag in it. I know when I yeah. say garbage can, people look at no, me. no. I know what you a mean clean yeah. plastic. You know, and we'd be eating the fruit in the morning like morons, you know, like this is oh, great. We're sitting definitely. here sucking on watermelon that's been soaking in grain alcohol. <laughs> yeah. And that's why <laughs> I was at all like, oh yeah. God. Exactly. And in, in people listening know that you know yeah, that they know. I, yeah, I they couldn't do know. I heard 100%. about I, I never finished about you saying you were going to have a, a show on where you actually talk about some of the fun times drinking. Cause I do have those stories, but it's, I don't want to make this a thing. But no, some I, of I it agree. was fun. And that's what keeps you in it too. You're like, Oh, you know? Yeah. So I have a black eye today and my knees all skinned up and I, you know, ran into that same tree five times. Right. Uh, tomorrow night, we're still going to do it because you know, it's fun. Yeah. So that's the other thing too. You can't lie to yourself and say that I can't, at least I can't lie to myself and say that I didn't have fun and enjoy it at times. It just got out of control and ruined my life. Until you didn't. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Until you didn't. But I know, like you said, that what you mentioned where I would finish everybody else's glass of wine. I would finish the leftover bottle. I'd go into the cabinet and and open up the four or five or half a case or a case of wine that's left over, drink all that do two eight balls of cocaine. And then all of a sudden it's Wednesday. Um, that's the problem. Like in, I can't right. do that. Let's have a glass of wine with dinner bullshit. Like I, I just, I'm not that kind of person. I am the absolute opposite of that. I am incapable. I, I, of, I have no off switch and I'll go until I pass the F out and I pass the fuck out when 
I'm done. Whatever that means. Yeah. That could be two days. That could be four. Who knows? Yeah. Or do the, the horrible thing where you puke and then you wash your <laughs> mouth out, brush your teeth and go have another drink. Like what? It, who oh, does that? Sure. You know? Yeah. But I, we did it. Absolutely. We did it because we're out, we're addicts. <laughs> That's what we are. And we did yeah. it. If, if, yeah. if one's good, 50's way better kind of concept. Yeah, it's that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, I love that Kenny Chesney song. It's perfect. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. Um, so you're getting so straight A's in where college. Where did I lead off? Straight, straight A's, A's in college. college. So college. And then I worked. Um, I, I went for business and accounting. So I had my own kitchen. Well, I cooked my way through college because at least then I would always have one meal a day. Definitely. You know what I mean? One free oh, yeah. meal a day. Plus it was always a bar too. So at the end of the work shift, you know, we were at the bar till morning to get home and sleep and come back and do it all over again. Oh yeah. And that was my life. And then I met my um, ex-husband and I don't know, I, I replaced one with the other, but when I got pregnant, that was it for me. I got married, got pregnant and I didn't drink for i'm gonna say about 14 years yeah. around that amount of time now i didn't stop drinking completely but for some reason if we were at a wedding i could have a glass of wine and go home my mm -hmm. children were so important to me and i wanted to be of course i'm an alcoholic i wanted to be the best mom there that you know you could be i was going to raise these children i was a homemaker and thank goodness my ex-husband was wonderful yeah. and he worked a good job back in those days and you could have a house and a little pool and, you know, two cars and make it and health insurance. And so we had all those things. And of course we scraped and, you know, people say to me today, how did you do it? And I don't know, but we did. Right. And I cooked, I cooked a lot. We didn't eat out a lot. Let's put yeah. it that way. You know, we did what we had to do. We, we got a boat. He was mechanical, fixed it up. That was our weekends fishing, you know, yeah. whatever we found a way. Um, and I loved it. Now, if I had a babysitter for like, if my mom was keeping him for the weekend and I was going out with my sister-in-law's brother-in-law's, all of us, mm -hmm. I drank the same exact way I drank in college. Yeah. And then didn't drink again for years. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and I don't know why I can't even tell you why it just, yeah. Yeah, they were important to me. And, and I don't, I shouldn't say that because then it sounds like they weren't important to me when I no. started again, but they're, they're still important to me. No, I, um, yeah, the freedom of I don't know if it was like a replacement, if it was just, I was busy. Um, I don't know. It's just what I did. No, I, I think that people have the ability, even being an addict, I had the ability to, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say control, that's not the right word, but mm -hmm. I know when I dropped my kids off by my mom or my in-laws for the weekend and I knew that they weren't going to come back or I wasn't going to be with them until Sunday, like I still was rampaging and doing stupid shit all week. But when the weekends, when they weren't there, I really hit it hard, if you can even imagine that. Um, because I knew I had two days. So I was yeah. free of the responsibility to, fake, uh, right. to, to fake, like I wasn't completely coked <laughs> up most of the time. So that, 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 that it, it just gave me that freedom to do that. And, and I say freedom, not in a positive way, uh, in that sense, but I, I totally get what you're saying. There, there's been other guests on the show that have had the ability 
while Pamela Pesta uh, is one of the former guests yeah. that, that mm-hmm. comes to mind where she said, you know, early in her motherhood, she was able to not drink and mm-hmm. be a mom without the pressure of, uh, of drinking at that level. Uh, things change, mm-hmm. you know, when the kids got older and I don't want to speak for her, but th- her story is similar to yours in that regard where you were able to Very. put the drink down and be with the babies for a time in your case, 14 years. But I, I totally get that. I really do. I think a lot of Very. listeners get that. Very. Yeah. Me and Pam have talked about it. And uh, when I, re- I love her book, when I read her She's book, amazing. I'm just like, Oh my God, this is the same, you know, exact thing <laughs> I went through. And it, and it, I love it. I love that book. Every single um, alcoholic, it should be mandatory reading uh, Pamela Pess's book. Yeah, I agree. It, I totally it, agree. Letting go of the thief uh, for the listeners. If you haven't heard of it um, or read it, it is truly unbelievable she is in when i'm reading it it's in my in head. head i cannot believe totally that i'm reading the words head. on this page and i'm like this is exactly how it's it goes out. how it was mm-hmm. how it, it's amazing uh not to mention she's a wonderful person and she i love is. her dealer i love she her dealer. is i do too i love her i love her and that book you know and it explains it and that's the other thing that you know people should know there's no one way in this life of addiction there's there so many ways because we're all individuals so that's it right. is what it is for you at that time that's why you know everybody's so hard on themselves or you know they question if you question if you keep questioning it you may have a problem that's you know exactly what i mean right. yeah. if it's interrupting your life definitely then just check into it it, it won't hurt to check into it yeah um so that was my life, but, and I was happy. Um, but I, I don't want to say I was a helicopter parent, but yeah, pretty much was, I, you know, I did yeah. the, uh, I was the coach for the softball, the PTO president, you know, always in there. And then I got a job in the schools so I could be on their same schedule. So I didn't, I couldn't afford a babysitter for three kids, two years apart. You know, who wanted that deal? Yeah. Yeah. Who'd want them? (laughs) And I always say, I have the best kids in the world. They're perfect. But who wants three kids if you don't have them? That's a big responsibility. That's a lot. Um, Yeah. I have two. I can't imagine. Yeah. And I enjoyed them. I did. I enjoyed it. Best years of my life. I wish I could stay in that you know, time yeah. frame. Sometimes I didn't get enough sleep, but I wish I could stay in that time frame. Um, uh, times got a little bit rough here where we were living and we decided to make a change. And one of the things I wanted was we came from a small town and I kind of wanted me and my ex-husband, my kids to be more exposed to um, bigger cities. I, I wanted them to be a minority maybe for a while so they could... Before they went to college, I wanted them to have a different life experience so they weren't sheltered from one small town. Although small towns are great, not saying they're not, yeah, you know, but it was just a choice that we decided to make. We moved to Corpus Christi, Texas with one of his friends, had a business down there. So we went down there to give it a shot. Um, oh, I left out that both my parents died within a year of each other. Oh, and sorry, yeah. I was close to both of them. And they were close to my children. So it was like a fresh start. My ex-husband didn't have any parent, well, yeah, didn't have any parents left till we went. Mm. Um, 
So we did that. And I don't know what we were thinking because my ex-husband knew I was an alcoholic. Because And I always admitted this. I forgot that part. I'm an arrogant alcoholic. I've always said, I think with my upbringing, it wasn't like I could say, no, I'm not. Because I knew better. Right. That's the other thing. I don't care how much knowledge you have. And I don't care, you know, what, what you learn. If you're going to be one, you're going to be one. Yeah, definitely. You, so you can't hide no, from it. You can't fake there's it. No, although I think you should, you know, teach it in schools. Yeah. You know, you know, give them all the information you can give them, but don't think that's going to save you. You have to have a lifestyle. You have to have, I think you have to be balanced. And when I was a homemaker with the kids, I wasn't balanced. I lost me in yeah. being uh, the mom. Do you I know what I mean? So I, do. I wasn't living a, ba- a happy, balanced life. I'm, I agree with that. I think that there's a, a balance. I think that there's a part of uh, societal pressure. And, and listen, I am not naive and I am not advocating that the government step in and control what we read, watch, do, that kind of bullshit. None of that. I, I don't believe in yeah. censorship in any way, shape or form. But what I'm suggesting here is as soon, Hollywood's movies always make the cool kids, the drunk kids at the party, the cool kids exactly. doing the dumb shit like that with the drinks and the drugs and the alcohol and stuff. And they glamorize mm-hmm. it, whether they mean to do it or not, if it's intentional or not. Right. What I'm saying is that that kind of pressure is real and not just in the movies and stuff, but day to day. And you get uh, the pressures from friends and other people in your life to do that kind of stuff. And it's hard. You can't be around everybody all the time. So you, the best you can do is teach them or hope to teach them good decision-making skills. <laughs> Cause no matter what they're going to fail, they're going to fall. You just hope that they don't fall or fail too hard or too often because but I'm not naive. I know my kids are going to experiment. I hope that they make good choices, but I, listen, I, you can't control everything all the time. And right. it's hard. It's really hard. So I think that like, look, doctors smoke for Christ's sake. So like those kinds of things, like you, you can't, you have to make good choices and it's not just one good choice. It's, you have to have the kind of confidence in your decision-making or in your ability to say no to really believe it, that you don't need the drink. You don't need whatever it is that they're offering. Right. That's a big right. deal. That's hard to do, hard to teach. Coming from where I know and what you know, it's going to be hard to teach my kids. The one thing I've got going for me is they won't be able to bullshit me at all. I'll be able to pick it away. Um, I'll be able to see it a mile away, um, which is, I think, an advantage. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, I, I get what you mean. So the, the having balance in children, is it's hard to teach. And you can't, you're not fooling anyone, as you were saying. I mean, even growing up as you did in the world of recovery, you know, you knew you were an alcoholic, but whether you admitted it or not, um, that's not that you didn't admit it, but it's hard to avoid. I mean, it, it, it's, right. it's really hard to avoid. Right. Well, it's, and drinking is, is still so acceptable. You Very know? much. And now, and now weed is becoming acceptable. Yeah. And I don't, I don't. I, I totally believe in any kind of medical assisted treatment if it's yeah. going to keep you alive. Totally. I didn't, you know, before I was closed minded till I learned about it. And then I'm like, oh, hey, yeah, if that's going to keep you alive and happy and productive, I'm all for it. Um, yeah, I don't judge. I, I think that if, if, if it serves its medical purpose, listen, I, I'm, again, I'm not 
one to say they should make alcohol illegal or pot. Illegal. Oh no, that so didn't listen, work. Pe- people are going <laughs> to do right. Not, none of that shit. Right. So people are going to do. You just have to. You, you, you just know. have to be educated and do the best you can. 100%. And with kids, I, I've seen bad parents have good kids, and good parents have bad kids. So yeah, exactly. there's there's no guarantee in life because we all we are all individuals, and it is what it is. And yeah. the only thing you can do is always be there to help. That's, That's all right. you can That's do right. is be there to help and don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Be don't give up. That's right. So, <laughs> so you were saying you, where you was I? Okay. Corpus Christi. Kids. Oh, Corpus Christi. So for some reason, my uh, ex-husband and I decided we would go out with this other couple, you know, and have drinks and maybe go dancing and whatever. And I don't know what we were thinking. So we did that and it, and it worked okay for a while. Um, and I don't know if maybe he thought because I didn't drink for so many years, it was going to all of a sudden go away, but he didn't know as much about alcoholism as I did. So, right. you know, it, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't really matter. Um, anyway, he ended up getting dr- a job as a truck driver. So he was away a lot and Angel has a hard time without supervision. So I had no supervision and I had a credit card and a debit card and a car. So, you know, and stores, you know, everywhere you went. Drive through liquor stores in Texas. Oh my gosh. I love, I have to say, I absolutely love Texas. Best experience for my kids. They became a minority um, and it was great. And they thanked me later on in college because I think they made friends easier. You know, they weren't as afraid. Yeah, definitely. To to venture out and, and, you know, know that other people aren't different from you. Right. You know, they just come from different countries. That's right. Not I love that. So, so that part of it was nice, but angels drinking starts, but it wasn't too bad. Um, I had a full-time job. Uh, he had that job, but then he got really, really homesick mm-hmm. and we had a vote and my daughter and I lost because there's five of us. So it was three to two. Mm-hmm. So we packed up and we came back to this Valley which it was is a depressed area as far as jobs because it was a steel mill by Pittsburgh. It's all steel mills. So sure. they all went. Anyway, we came home. Um, I know I'm, I'm taking a long time here. We came home and let me see. Yeah. But, so by the time we got home, the kids were like in middle school, high school. And, you know, they start not really wanting to be around you much. My marriage was failing. I was panicking. I didn't want to be here. Um, You know, we had always owned a home. We bought one down there, fixed it up and came home, you know, whatever. The housing market wasn't good here. Everything was just not working well for Angel. Right. You know, the rest of the family was doing okay. Mid 90s ish. Yeah. Angel. Yeah. No, a little bit later. Okay. Shelby was born in 91. Yeah. Late, late nineties. Mm. Yeah. He middle late. Nineties. I yeah. should just say, yeah. Um, <laughs> <That was> fine. <laughs> so anyway, my marriage was dissolving fast and I wasn't helping it by drinking because once I start drinking, my mind does not work anymore. Like my mind used to work as you would know, you know, yeah. just it's a sick mind all of a sudden and your, your, your thinking is warped horribly and things that were important to me they were still important to me but i was losing them i felt like i want to feel like you're walking kind of in a fog Mm -hmm. well you are 
Yeah. And you're just losing touch, real touch. You start losing it. Emotions, you, you start losing them. You Everything start starts bad becoming decisions. numb. Yeah. Everything start, starts yeah. becoming numb. So I started uh, uh, stopping after work for a drink. Um, and I met this guy and he was just awful. He was... Uh, later on, my ex-husband had told me he kind of like stalked me ahead of time, but he was, he was just an awful man. I didn't know it had me fooled. And Angel was a real strong woman. Look, I talk like I, I'm in third, <laughs> third person. I was a yeah, third person. <laughs> I was a real strong. George is getting upset. And I'm didn't sorry. take, uh, didn't take orders from anybody. It was just, I always say she wants to be good. Angel, she wants to be good. And everybody looks at me like, who does? She really does. Every, yeah. <laughs> so, um, Anyway, so let me recalibrate for a second. I'm sorry. So you met a guy, a bad guy. You didn't know at the time that he was stalking you. Well, he had he had plans before I had plans. Let's put it that way. And and when we did get together and like the kids would come to our house on the weekend, go to my ex-husband's on the week, like the kids were going back and forth. We lived in the same town. Hmm. Um, His niceness was starting to wear off and he was very abusive man and i fell into the trap of when i used to watch oprah and say i'd never be that woman i turned into that woman and he had threatened me that you know if i left him he would kill my ex-husband my kids wouldn't have a dad i mean it was just a bad time i picked him because he was a drinker and i thought oh boy this is going to be fun because he doesn't really know I'm an alcoholic. Right. So it's not like my ex-husband getting on my case. And this is how I'm thinking at this time. Yeah. And he has money. He has, you know, vehicles. He's self-sufficient. You know, we'll be okay. And yeah. all the things, because I was panicking. My marriage was dissolving. Everything I knew was going down the tubes. And now I'm, dr- I'm half drunk all the mm-hmm. time. Um, my children are older. They don't need me anymore. And I'm basically thinking I'm going to be on my own. They're going to college. Yeah. So I picked a man who was very abusive and I didn't know it. And it was an ugly, ugly, um, physically violent, abusive relationship. Yeah. Horrible. Horrible. Um, so I don't want to like make it, make it about that because my drinking was on me. No need, although that made it worse and yeah. everything snowballed. So now my snowball is getting to be huge and I'm drinking all the time and I'm in an abusive relationship and my kids don't even want to come spend time where I live because they don't like it. They don't like the way I'm being treated. Um, my ex-husband was never abusive, so they weren't used to any of this and they're now in high school and I have a son who wants to now kill this man. I'm like, you're not wasting your college career on him. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it was just a bad situation. Can so, I ask you a question? Is it was it a and you can just say yes or no? Was it a physical or a verbal or both type of abuse? Physical, verbal, emotional. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I wanted to understand kind of the range and forgive yeah, me. Or that was oh, a rude question. I just wanted to get no, no, an no, understanding no, of the framework rude. of that a bit. It was awful. And that's yeah. what I'm I'm thinking. Like in my mind, I'm in a fog. I, I'm 
You no, don't have I'm to justify anything. I, I no, totally no, understand. but I'm feeling guilty because I, I feel like I've broken up my whole family with my drinking, which makes me drink more. Yeah. And what is it with alcoholics that we think this is going to help? Right. You know, the more guilt you have, the more hurt you become, the more fear you have, the more you drink. Definitely. Yeah. It's the um, same, same concept when, you know, you meet people at a party or a bar and you're dating after that, when you, you've engaged, you, you're attracting the same kind of energy that you're giving and a lot of in, in those cases, and you you bring in you you kind of magnetically attract other alcoholics because you can maintain or sustain that lifestyle with them without judgment, and that universe gets created, and then you just it manifests itself every single day. Um, I'm not putting words in your mouth. I'm saying that I I've lived that world many times, so I get it. And exactly. It, it's really hard exactly. to break the cycle. Um, and in my head, too, I'm thinking because there's part of me, you know, when you're an alcoholic, there's part of you that knows. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, sure. so part of me is saying, oh, my goodness, this guy is just like your father. He drank a lot. Um, just God I was with. So just like your father with the abusiveness. So all those memories flood back. You know, and you go right back into I felt like I went right back into that child. Mm-hmm. that frightened child and yeah. um my answer is to drink more you know why i don't know mm-hmm. and at this time i'm i'm holding a full-time job uh, my kids are all away in college and he ends up you want to this isn't how bad it was he ended up he was a truck driver. He ended up losing a truck that he only owed $1,800 on and a car and a job to watch me. He would come to work. I worked at Walmart. He would come to work and watch me for eight hours to make sure I wasn't flirting with other men. So he would just stand in Walmart and stare at you? He would walk around. Yeah, he would make my managers uncomfortable, my coworkers uncomfortable, but there wasn't a whole lot they could do to him if he wasn't, he wasn't hovering over me. He was just always there somewhere. And, he, and that's what he would tell me. He would say, you, you're never going to know where I'm going to, where I am that or is, where I'll be. Yeah. 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 It was very frightening time in my life. I've never been, I've never been that afraid in my life. I was so jumpy when like the wind would come in my window, I would jump out of my skin. Yeah. Like that's how, how jumpy I was. Uh, it was just off. He would come to my doctor's appointments with me. He would come to like, I was never alone. That is uh, creepy. Really interesting. I'm sorry. Uh, so um, how did, can I ask it? How did that, how did that end? Like, I, I mean, did, did, how did you put a it's stop rough. in that? It was rough. I even, I went to get a PFA once and my, my children and my ex-husband came and sat in the back, but he had a friend come and swear it was me. And the other thing was like, we, uh, we would drink and I would be drunk 
he would call the cops from my house and say I was beating him up. Yeah, right. He's he's building a case. You know what I mean? He yeah, he's building like, a case. I, I get it. He's 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 dropping. That's rent. what I mean by stalking. Like he yeah. had plans like ahead of time because my ex-husband had looked him up, um, you know, like did background checks and stuff on yeah. him. And, and he had like his vehicles registered at our house before we met. Really, We just worked in the same place. Like he Jesus. had a plan. Yeah. It was very frightening, very frightening. Hmm. And he, crazy. he had a lot of uh, weapons, which so, was very frightening. Is he, he's out of your life now, I assume. Oh goodness. Totally. Um, it took at one point in time, I finally did get him out and uh, my landlord lived upstairs and I changed my locks and I came home at night, like 10 o'clock at night. So I was working two jobs then. in the front room. Yeah. <laughs> And I opened up the door and he was sitting in the living room. Of course he was, you yeah. know. He said that. Finally, he like had a breakdown and moved away. And um, my landlord put a PFA on him that he was no longer allowed on the property. Wait, could you describe for the listeners what a PFA is, please? Oh, uh, what is a PFA? A personal... Uh, it's an order of protection. Yeah, exactly. What, it's what a, is it? What's PFA? So it's it's just a it's an order of protection essentially. An so, order of protection. Yeah. yeah. So he he ended up getting on. In between this time, I went to I I missed a big part. At one point in time, I thought the only way to get out of this is to get sober. So I went into rehab. I went to my doctor and I I said yeah. I want to go to rehab. I went into rehab. Um, he called me at rehab like every day. I'm sure, and, he did. Yeah went to all the meetings and stuff afterwards and I wasn't allowed to speak to anybody. So obviously that didn't work because you can't, you can't go try to get sober and then not work at it. Right. You know, so I I stayed sober for about a year and then I decided I was going to control it uh, and just have one drink when I came home, just to take the nerves off of living with him. And that was two drinks and three drinks, but I finally did. He broke down did some horrible things at my house while I was at work. The landlord ended up calling the police. He got the PFA. He had to stay away from me. So that ended that. Hmm. But I still lived in fear. Yeah. You know, because I was still waiting for him to. An order of protection doesn't. uh, Listen, um, it's it's helpful, but a lot of people have died with an order. Absolutely. I don't want to create any horror stories here, but let's be honest. If um, they, they serve, uh, it, it, you know, I can understand living in fear and being fearful of your life um, or your loved ones' lives with something like that going on. So I, my heart goes out to you for that. That's rough. That's really yeah. rough. It was bad. It was bad. But you know, I picked him. Yeah. So I have to take um, some responsibility for that. Hmm. I did pick him for all the wrong reasons, even though he had me full. You know, and they do. And it was a long time before I saw his true colors. It, it took about almost a year. Yeah. Well, they know what they're doing, um, right? They're masters at they do. that shit. They, do. They, they literally they are do. chameleons. They can present themselves in any situation how they need to present themselves. Mm-hmm. They can give you enough smoke and bullshit to get what they need and want. They're predators. I mean, at the end of the day, they are right. masterful predators. Anyone listening to thinks right. that they wouldn't be fooled is wrong. It, it, they're artful at this. This is not, and mm. men, men and women both, right? They're artful at this shit and it's scary. Mm. And before you know it, they've got their 
tentacles around you and now you're slowly being suffocated and changed and then you so yeah it's it's crazy i i completely yeah, it's understand. very very frightening it's a whole different way of life and i and i honestly thought that'll never happen to me i was very arrogant about that'll never happen to me yeah. so it can happen to anyone um and and you do have to have a plan and you do have to all the things they tell you to do to get out of it is what you have to do to get no out doubt. of it no there's doubt. no there's no easy way um anyway i was still drinking at this time but i got rid of him and i thought i thought my life would get better i really did but i the by this point in time i was drinking pretty much my vodka i was a smart alcoholic we'll lighten it up a little bit we'll lighten this up a little bit <laughs> i was a smart alcoholic i drank vodka and water because the vodka dehydrated me the water hydrated me so it was all good yeah. right yeah there was no way this was ever going to harm uh, yeah i've got this or do control. any damage I'm to dabbling. my liver yeah i have it i know what i'm doing put <laughs> I got a, you this. know put a little bit of ice in there and i'm <laughs> i'm above the game now you know and i honestly thought this yeah you know because you totally I, get it yeah you know, i do yeah. the same shit I got straight A's in school. I know how to drink vodka. I have a job. Vodka, I'm making money. What are you talking about? I have about? a job. Yeah. Right? I'm doing fine. I raised three children. You know, they're yeah. in college. I'm, I have I'm air good. conditioning. Everything's great. I, right. <laughs> and I thought this way, too. At one point in time, uh, I, which this is just one more little funny story. My son came uh, afterwards, and he was in the apartment. And I had plants all around, and they're all, like, dead. And I had those water bulbs, you know, those bulbs that you put in the plants I to do, keep yeah. them alive. The little glass bulbs and, that you put in the yeah, dirt with the water. And they... son said, he goes, he picked one up. He goes, well, this is a waste of money. And I said, well, they're not if you put water in them. <laughs> he was like, oh, mom, yeah. <laughs> you know, we got to talk. Right. Like, you know, how ridiculous. But things like that. And I, I honestly, my house was falling apart around me. Yeah. Um, and my poor kids, I have one, I do have wonderful, wonderful children and they were in college supposed to be having the time of their lives. And here's this selfish woman that they have to worry about. Hmm. Is she going to be alive or dead? Or am I going to get a phone call at college? And I, it didn't cross my mind that they even thought about what I was doing. I thought they were so busy which yeah. why would I not think they would care about me? You know, because well, I didn't yeah. care about me. That's right. is exactly you were, why. You were an alcoholic. At that point in time, I didn't care about me. Right. So they didn't. Like, I thought I was a piece of crap by then, you know, because look at what I, 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 I picked this man and look what, you know, and now I'm still yeah. drinking. Um, so it's a vicious cycle. You know, it I is. Know, it's it a vicious is. cycle. It's a hard thing. Um, I thought I had everyone fooled. I, I think oh, I, no one knows that I'm really drinking right. and doing cocaine at this level. No one knows. Right. Oh, bullshit. You fool yourself. You continue to fool yourself. That's the trap. And, right. and, and people very often mask it in normalcy. And you know, as well as I do, that what I mean is when you go out and have a couple of drinks, what they don't know is I had eight drinks before dinner oh, and I only had two at dinner. And then after dinner, I had eight more and, right. and half of an eight ball like that. So, but you, you, you present what you want. We're masters at creating oh, yeah. our own little oh, yeah. own environment or presenting what we need to present at that time. Oh, um, yeah. Not to mention 
be we're diseased with the alcoholism and the drug abuse and your exactly. body's always fatigued so you start to justify the bullshit and everyone knows right so there and that's the thing like when i one thing i always hope people take away is this shit creeps up on you you don't even so see fast. it or feel it coming most of the time until so it's fast. not until it's too late but very often you wake up in a bloody mess on the ground wondering what the <clears> fuck <throat> happened did for me I, I can't tell you how many times i woke up on, you know on my driveway or on my sidewalk or in the dirt next to my house mm-hmm. you know and listen i i dressed up you know i was well dressed i had a good job oh. and all the trappings but you know i was able to laugh it off because it was a funny story like you'd mentioned you got a little black eye you got a little scrape oh, on yeah. your knee you got a rip on your shirt yeah. oh how did i get this? i'm a little clumsy right oh and, all that and me too and listen and I, I mean, I'm older now, but I was a pretty good looking woman. Absolutely. Uh, yes. You're still nobody, a good looking woman, Angel. Well, Come on, Angel. I'm You're saying, beautiful. I'm saying, but nobody knew that I woke up in my piss every morning. Yeah. In my own piss. Yeah. At not even 50. You know, what, yeah. what is that? And yeah. I took a shower and I put on my makeup every day yeah. with my hand shaking, trying to get my mascara on my mm-hmm. eye. Yeah. And taking me 25 minutes to get mascara on without poking my eyeball out. Thank God I didn't wear Poddax. I, I would have really been screwed. I'd have been poking my yeah. whole eye out. And then going to work. And I'm a manager. And, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing. And people think that I have it going on. Yep. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I had nothing going on. And I thought no one knew. And some people really didn't. Yep. But anybody that was close to me knew that I would allow close to me mm-hmm. because I always drank alone. I didn't go out to bars. I didn't, they would have kicked me out. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't have got home. You it was know? too much of a risk drinking in public. Oh, after a while. And there's like, another I, thing. I would never drink and drive. You're telling me that I wasn't half drunk going to work every morning. Yeah. And in my mind, I wasn't because I always made sure I got seven hours of sleep. Absolutely. In the beginning. Yeah. In the beginning. And then I started and, and this is, is the end of it. Then I started getting up in the middle of the night and I would have my water glass and my drink glass. I, I had two different glasses that I drank from Mm. because Lord knows in the middle of the night, I can't mix them up. Well, how many times do you think I did? And how many times did I do it on purpose? I'll just take one swig. It won't be so bad. You know, it'll be all right. Brush my teeth, put the mint things in them. That was great when they started making them dissolvable things that you could just eat one after the other. Mm -hmm. You know, how good is that for you? And that was about, at the end, that was all I was eating. Yeah. You know, were the dissolvable tabs and my cigarette, whatever the tobacco was going in my mouth was about it. Yeah. And, and it was bad and it got to that point and it was, it, I would make it through a day. I'd be at work and about the sixth hour at work, I would start shaking, just shaking. And I would tell people I couldn't go up on a ladder to change the sign because I have anxiety, um, you know, and could I get a, a, a person to do it? Could you do this for me? You know, I'll, I'll do your stocking if you do this and making excuses and you tell me those people didn't know, and I would never stand too close to anyone in managers' meetings. I'm always on the end, or you know, yeah, 
and it's an awful life. It really is. I'd go to my locker in the morning, be scared to death. Somebody would come next to me and, you know, yeah. Yeah. And smell you. And by that point, I'm sure it was oozing out of my pores. Oh, for sure. That's, you know, because when I would come home, I'd come home, um, you know, to pour my drink, which at, by this point was just straight vodka. Yeah. I was doing a gallon, almost a gallon a day. If not, you know, a little bit less. I always had to have three because I would run out in the middle always, you know? So yeah, how much I do, was I, I drinking? You no, know, sure. you always had to have three or an extra one or one hit. And it got to the point where I did have them everywhere. What is that? It was me in my apartment alone. I had one yeah. in the bedroom. I had one in the freezer. I had one, you know, down the basement. Like I couldn't go down to the basement and throw in a load of clothes without having a swig while I was down there because it took so long to load the dryer. Right. You know, so, and it did, it got that bad and, and. Ooh, definitely not, not proud of that part of it. And, and honestly don't know when it happened. Hmm. Don't know when it happened. It just, it just, happened. it does. It just, it just starts to happen and you don't realize it. I, I drank, I was drinking so much that I, you start to get pickled. And I mean, that smell, like you can't hide it. You can shower hmm. all you want. You can brush your teeth right. all you want, but that whiff of, uh, alcohol never really goes away until it goes away because you're not drinking anymore in that you yeah. can try to hide it, but you can smell it from 10 feet away. I mean, it's unbelievable. Right. I mean, if you ever think anyone listening that thinks that anyone's being fooled, they are not, they can smell yeah. you. They can tell that you're a little off balance, whatever your eyes and your skin tones. And there's a lots of tells right. it's in this kind of thing, just as Angel described, right? I mean, usually it, it just, creeps up on you and all of a sudden it's a bottle in your bedroom. It's a bottle in the freezer. It's a bottle in the basement. It's a bottle in the bedroom. And you don't know how you got there. It just happens. It happened to me. Yeah. And I was, yeah. Rampaging at that same level. Uh, Mine was whiskey, beer, cocaine, and cigarettes, but yeah, it's crazy. And, and I vodka too. I piled on the vodka. So it was, it's a lot of things. And if I ran out of one thing, I just drank something else, whatever I had handy, I didn't give a shit. I just right. kept going. No. So. no, by the end, I, I didn't care. I, I absolutely did not care. Didn't care. I And I couldn't in the end even eat because I couldn't, unless I had so many drinks in me, and by, by the time you have so many in you that you're not shaking, you don't want to drink. You don't want to eat. Right. You know? Yes. So I would start to eat, and it was like this. It was ridiculous. So I was always cooking, you know, and feeding people and saying, you know, I'll eat later, I'll eat later. I'll eat. Yeah. I knew I wasn't eating. And I, <laughs> I weighed probably 128 pounds. I'm five foot seven, you know, and I am big boned. I don't care what anybody says about it. <laughs> so, you know, and, and it's awful. And you do, your skin looks different. Everything yeah. looks different. You look it fragile. Does. You look very fragile, like you're just going to kill over at any point in time. I would and have I to force feed myself yeah, and, and company or at so dinner, hard. right? To present that I was eating something and I would eat like a bird, meaning very, very mm-hmm. little. And and I always, everyone had to know I was faking it, right? Because I was too coked up to eat. And I was really more interested in just yeah. slamming my drinks and running out to the bathroom to do more lines or bumps off the keys and right. shit like that. And, 
it's a chaotic, crazy life, man. I, I don't miss it at all. Uh, I really don't. Jesus Christ. It's, it's so much fucking work. It really is so much work. My heart goes out to people. Um, you know, when you were saying earlier about, and I, I know this is going on way longer than it should, but you know, when you were saying earlier about how we have each other and have a connection, it's yeah. the empathy. We have true empathy for each other because we know it's the scariest gosh darn thing. It really is. There is. Honestly, it's God. frightening. And you think you're alone, even if you're not, and you're, you, you don't know a way out. Once you pass a certain point, you think there's no way out. You really do. Right. You just it's true. do. It's you true. Do. I, I, I always, in the back of my mind, when people present themselves is I like to have a martini every day after work on the rocks, you know, and it settles my nerves and stuff like that. It's, it's scary, right? That's a, it, it's it's frightening stuff and it, it happens very very quickly in there like you said there's no it sounds good it right. sounds good not not that it sounds good it's no no nothing, I mean, it's not tantalizing like what you're saying is it's the story that you tell good. yourself right it's mm-hmm. believable bullshit and it sounds it, good the chaos of addiction is something i'm very happy to be rid of uh, I've, you know, I, I've struggled with things still, right. I'm in recovery and I, I don't take it for granted. I take it very seriously still every single day and I put the time in. Um, <clears throat> but the chaos of being in the trenches of full addiction still is different. And, and what I mean is the chaos of drinking and chasing it or doing Coke and chasing it or doing, cause I would do both and just chase it all day. I would plot my whole day. Where am I going to get my next drink? Where am I going to mm-hmm. do my next bump? Mm-hmm. When am I going to meet my drug dealer? When am I going to go buy cigarettes? Mm-hmm. I got to make sure I'm not too drunk because I got to drive. All the bullshit and the chaos and the lies and the deception and the the all of the noise and destruction that you do and the chaos of it all is crazy. And I am intolerant of chaos now. I will not tolerate it. I don't give a shit. Keep your chaos over there. I don't want to hear it. Either be truthful and real with me. Don't bullshit me. Mm-hmm. Don't don't pretend. I can mm-hmm. see it, and I know that you're full of shit. I won't have it, even if, mm-hmm. if even if it's not alcohol or drug induced chaos. Just mm-hmm. general, I'll call it like reality TV type chaos. I don't want mm-hmm. it in my life. Either right. deal with your stuff the right way, or stay right. away from me because mm-hmm. I can't invite the extra vibrations in my life in a negative way. I have enough shit going on trying to stay sober and clean. And being a good dad and a good husband and work and all that stuff. And I work hard to be good at all those things. I can't have somebody else's noise and destruction come in. And I'm, I'm always willing to help people. That's not what I mean. What I'm saying is right. people that try to pass, gotcha. pass through the, you know, be invited in and then mm-hmm. just create chaos. I can't have it. I won't mm-hmm. have it. And I, I don't mean to, to, to take your, to, to take the spotlight off you there, but I, I get no, what you No, no, that's okay. I won't even have passive aggressiveness. Yeah. Like I won't have any of it. That's no. not chaotic, but I won't even have that. I, I'm like, oh, please take that bullshit somewhere else. Take it somewhere I else. Like, I don't want to deal with it. it. Not exactly. today. <laughs> not me. Not today. Absolutely. Mm-mm. Like, I don't no. want to spend my energy dealing or fencing with you in this crap. No. It's it's crazy. So no. And addiction is hard. So I, w- I was working and I decided that my my boss was putting a lot on me and 
uh, later on, he told me he had an alcoholic father and he kind of knew that there was something up, but yeah, he's full of shit too. Yeah. He needs to, you know, take care of his house. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, I, I did thank him later on for firing me. I did thank him for that just because, you know, yeah. it probably did save my life. Anyway, I stepped down as a, as a department manager, I could no longer do it. And I just went to be a sales associate and just kind of wanted to be under the radar. I didn't yeah. want to be in meetings. I didn't want to be in charge. I didn't want to be accountable for anything. I, sure. It's not that I didn't want to. I couldn't. Yeah. And I knew I couldn't. I was failing. I was slipping. I was becoming sloppy. I was missing things. I, I, I knew that it was going to be bad. So I thought, well, this way, you know, I'll take the pay cut. I'll be all right. The kids are out of the house. I can still get them their little snacks for their, you know, care ba- baskets or whatever. But by that point, I wasn't even doing any of that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just me surviving. Um, so I ended up doing doing that. And long story short, short I came to work drunk. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know I was drunk. Right. I, um... I knew that I drank a couple shots in the middle of the night and I knew it was more than what I would normally do. I don't know what possessed me. I couldn't tell you. I absolutely could not tell you. I got, got up with my alarm clock, uh, got a shower, did my normal thing, went to work, thought I was okay. I drove to work, drove to work. So grateful today that I only lived like three miles from where I worked and I didn't kill anybody. Sure. So grateful. Uh, walked in, of course, they asked me if I'd like to go take a drug and alcohol test. And you know, I was panicked, total panic. And I didn't really think that I would flunk it so horribly. <laughs> with such a high <laughs> like where they'd want to yeah. take me right to the hospital I, right. thought, I thought this was iffy you know like, yeah. I, yeah they may like detect I, it I they can, may not yeah oh. like, i think it would be all right here yeah i i get it i do get I've it i've passed before this might be okay. <laughs> like, this is fine i'll be fine yeah i'm good Absolutely. um bad bad uh-huh. and my my one manager one of the assistants had to drive me home and you know, they, of course, they wouldn't let me take my car and I was pissed. But then yeah, I thought, absolutely. no, I can't. I can't drive. I can't drive. She's like, no, you can't even walk. But anyway, it was bad. So I went home and, of course, then the panic sets in. You know, now what? I, 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 carry, I carry the kids on my insurance. How am I going to tell them that? Like, what, what am I, what am I going to do? Like, total panic. Total panic. What do I do? Have a drink. I would have I'm a that. drink on me. I started playing songs like I drink alone, real loud, jamming in my house. You know, poor little me. Mm-hmm. Look what happened. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Yeah. And it was poor me too. Poor me. They found me. You know, not to that. And then, then I uh, took a nap, woke up, and had somebody go get my car. Oh, and the other thing I was going to tell you, which is really ridiculous. I used to go to three different liquor stores so the people didn't know I was an alcoholic. Yeah. Sure. Like they care. Right. Like they even care. Lots of guests that I've done that. Like I would, I would <sighs> up my day. What is that? Yeah, absolutely true. What is that? So anyway, 
Um, I went and got my car, went to the liquor store and walked in and was so humiliated. And um, I know that with a lot of us, when we get to this point, we're always iffy about God, but I always make a joke that, you know, God put so many signs in my way to help me along about maybe you should get sober that day. Yeah. And I just kept tripping over him. Like I walked in to get the bottle and walked out to go pay for it. And the other employee walked up and took it out of my hand. It was like, we can't sell this to you. And I'm thinking there's a conspiracy. Like what? Like, how do you know I got fired today? You know, how do you, right. you know, how, like I'm so special, right? <laughs> so didn't yeah. I drive to another one farther away? Sure. And get some and go home. And then I'm thinking you better get a lot because, you know, you're probably not going to be able to get out of the house. Horrid. Anyway, long, another long story short, my oldest daughter, Sarah, who I love dearly, uh, came from West Virginia and she is that a baby? Yeah, it's my son. Do you need to go to town? No, no, not at all. He's probably okay. coming in too. What are you doing, Jasper? Alright, hurry up. Sorry. Okay. So your oh, daughter okay. comes in from West Virginia. Comes in from West Virginia. Almost lost her job because her, her uh, boss told her no, she didn't have the time to take it off. She worked in a bank and she said, um, this is life or death. I don't, I'm not really asking you. I, I don't have a choice. Right. And she said, you're going to have to do what you're going to have to do. And she came up and called around and, oh my God, took care of all my work stuff, uh, called around, got me into a rehab that was kind of close, but waiting period of seven days for the poor thing that they told her that she would have to keep alcohol in me. Don't try to detox me at home. Yeah. Wouldn't be a good idea. Yeah. There, and you know, a, when angel hears, I get to drink. I get to keep drinking. For another week. Yeah. All right. Cause I don't know if I can do this. I don't know at this point what I'm doing. My poor kids are going out, taking turns, going to get me bottles because I'm going through them like they're water and just staying in my bedroom. And I hear my daughter out in my house and I always, my house was spotless. Even when I had the three kids, like a spotless house and she's out there throwing stuff away from the refrigerator. Like, you know, when was the last time you cleaned this out? And I hear her out there just oh my god i was afraid to come out of the room i'm not afraid of much but i was afraid to come out of that room yeah. scared to death so finally get me packed up get ready to go i'm taking a bottle with me and she's just shaking her head she's like i don't really care what you do let's just go you know she just was so glad i agreed to do it because she really thought they had my kids had me set up for that show intervention really they were coming the next week that's how afraid they were. Hmm. That's how that's how wonderful my children are. This that is amazing. Cry. That's how wonderful my children are. They wouldn't give up. They were I not going to give up. I think that's wonderful. And so you go to rehab. So well, I get go to the car, Anthony, and then I I fell in the snow, and my daughter turned around and looked at me, and this is when I knew she had it. She said, "Mom, this is no time for fucking snow angels. Get your ass in that car." 
And I thought, oh, she still has a sense of humor. This ride might not be too bad. Right. Uh, yeah. Get into rehab. Uh, I don't even remember detox. My blood alcohol was so high. They didn't couldn't believe I was functioning. You know, all those stories. Sure. How are you walking and talking? Yeah. Don't remember detox. Went into rehab. I, I introduced myself to my counselor on my third day because I didn't remember my first two days. Because, of course, they still have you on medicine trying mm. to, you know, make sure my blood pressure didn't flatten out. So I uh, didn't believe in much at that point, but I had a really good uh, roommate. Well, there were like four of us in a room. It was like being back in college is what it was like. I was like, oh my God, I had to take showers with these women. Like I'm 50 now. Like this isn't funny. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm thinking, this is not a good ride right here. I was scared to death. She made me get down on my knees and pray. And I did. I did whatever they told me to do. But I didn't get very much to eat because it was like being in jail. You ever been in jail? Yeah. It was like being in jail. You know, when you have to eat really fast. Yeah. Have you ever been in rehab? I've never been in rehab. Well, same, same thing. Same thing, except they say that they're, they want you to succeed. (laughs) They do want you to succeed, but it's the same. It's just, it's structured. You, there's no bullshit. Right. And there is no bullshit. Right. Um, I was in there with a great bunch of, of women. Um, I did what I did what they told me to do. I came home. I was scared to death, scared to death. But this is this is doable. If I could do this, anybody can do this. This 100%. is doable. Doable. Hundred percent. There came is hope. Home, you, you can make did it. Did what they told me to do. Um, still doing what they tell me to do. I, uh, Denise is one of my sponsors, you know, Denise from Canada that has 30 Of course, years. yeah. She, oh, yeah. She's amazing. She was just if a guest Denise, last week. If Denise told, I know I listened to her podcast already. If she told me to lick that wall over there twice a day, I would do it just because, yes. and I have nine years, but I'd probably do it because she's got 38. 100%. So yes. I'm thinking. She's you know, marvelous because, and a dear friend now too for me. I, I've, I've learned a lot from not only her episode, but her kindness, her warmth, her willingness to help. She is a warm and wonderful, beautiful soul uh, who does so, so much for people. I'm getting teared up because she, she, she's wonderful. I spoke to her today, as a matter of fact, and I'm, Uh, I'm, yeah, she's amazing. I so needed Denise in my life and I found her on Twitter. We all need Denise in our life. Right. And I, I asked her uh, to be my sponsor because like I had one and she fired me and then I had another one and I fired her. Right. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like running out of options here. Yeah. I have nine yeah. years. I'm thinking I really might need one because that's what they say you have to do. And uh, I asked her and she had said, no, she explained, you know, why she did couldn't. And I understood and I was fine. Yeah. And then one, once I hit almost 10 years, she uh, texted me, what would you look for in a sponsor? So I told her and then it hit me as I'm like, you know, so from there, she's she, been helping me along. Yeah, she's great. She's, I tell you, she she's is great. great. She, she rocks. She, she definitely really rocks. I, that makes me cry. That definitely makes me cry. She rocks. Pam rocks. Everybody I've met on this recovery. Alcoholic dad, Damon's one of my. Aren't they? Is he great? He was great. They well, they're just one of my amazing people. I love. He's one of my favorite people. His parenting skills to me are awesome. Absolutely amazing. Yes. Awesome. 
Awesome. I'm, um, yeah. Just, I've met some wonderful people. Uh, that's how I got to know you. I met, I met wonderful people on this thing called Twitter that yeah. my, and my kids, when I tell them I'm on Twitter, they're just like, <laughs> My, yeah, when, yeah. when my son first put me on Facebook, he put that I had one kid, just him, and I was bisexual and looking for anyone. And I couldn't change it. And he knew it. And he's sitting on the couch laughing. <laughs> and his sisters are texting him like, don't do that to mom. Come yeah. on. Give her break. Exactly. So this, I didn't know anything about any of this. And, and I think it's probably going to give me another day or two like i'm taking it one day at a time but Absolutely. i'm hoping i'm hoping it gives me another few years at least well the the twitter community and instagram recovery community amazing. are both amazing i have truly yeah and instagram amazing. i really have found some amazing people like a life recovery those Sober girls Press. That you have yes the clothing line. recovery apparel girl They're i'm watching amazing. them and i'm like Oh, you guys go. They're so go, great. Girl. They're so great. I, I love how they the, take it front and center and put it all out yeah. there. It's it's really yeah. Impressive. And they're like, you you know, don't don't look down on them. Don't look at yeah. what they're doing. They're so great. They are look so great. Look at what great. they're doing. They're changing the stigma in this. Everybody is changing the stigma in what yeah. recovery is. It's so and great. What addiction is? I watch their videos every single day. They put these yep. amazing. Um, I think they're, they're actually TikTok posts, but they convert them over and they put them on mm -hmm. Instagram and other mm -hmm. things. Yeah. I watch them on both. And they're, they're amazing. I mean, I, I really uh, admire them both for what they are doing and what they do every day and how they continue to do it with a smile on their face. And let's be honest, and they have bad days too, like the rest of us, but oh. they do it with such grace and such charm and, and joy. It's, I'm very impressed with what they're accomplishing. I, I really admire the hell out of them both. I it really happens. Do. It happens. And they're and they're keeping each other going. That's all yeah. that matters. <laughs> That's so all that things. matters. I love yeah. it. They're bad. And they're and they're getting they're it. getting some retail <laughs> traction for their for their product for their apparel, yep. which is is great. I, I really mm -hmm. am impressed. I, I, I've been blessed to have the kinds of guests. Yeah, I love I've all your guests. Show. I truly do. I told I'm you your your um podcasts make me laugh, cry. I love it. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I'm I'm honored to have you on the show. And 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 we do have a, a kind of a multi-level connection here. I mean, with Denise and, and we know a lot of the same people yeah. you just mentioned. It's a recovery posse. Yeah. What a name, recovery posse. It's, I love it's them. pretty solid. I, and you know what? To tell you the, the honest God truth, I don't know how I bumped into them. Yeah. Like, I don't know how I did it on Twitter. So I know it was meant to be. Yep. And that's why I'm saying, I don't know if there's what's out there. I know there's something greater than me. Same. because i'm still alive yeah and i still shouldn't alive. be I we're all helping other people be. stay alive and, and everybody's helping everybody and yeah. all these people Absolutely. have you know i get to tell my children about these people and my grandson i explained in his seven-year-old mind why grammy can't have a beer you know what I mean? Right. And tell him I've met, well, because you, you can only give them what they can handle. You yeah, know? of course. Of you course. go over their head, they're not going to get it. I tell my kids the same thing. I said, uh, it, with daddy drinks, he gets sick. Uh, my, my, exactly. well, he's now six, five-year-old. And, and that's enough for him at the time. I'm not hiding anything from him. I tell him I can't exactly. drink. I, I, I can't drink. Dad will get sick, which is 100% truthful. And we'll have deeper, meaningful conversations. Oh, yeah. 
But Don't for stand. now, You're that's, that's enough. Yeah. And my right. eight-year-old, I, I took him out to lunch and I did apologize for being a shit dad and being an alcoholic and, and not being present for him in his mm -hmm. earlier years. And it's a hard lunch, man. Um, I get choked up about it even now. And, uh, but mm -hmm. we're here because we do face those hard truths. We mm -hmm. do face those, those moments that we used to run into the bottle for. Right? I, we don't do that. Anymore. I, I didn't that, have feelings. Yeah. I didn't cry. I didn't laugh. I didn't cry. I didn't have feelings. I did not. I, and when they came back, I didn't know what to do with them at right. first. You right. know, it, I really it, it's didn't. just this noisy rattle at first and it's hard yeah. to figure out. Like, what am I going to do? What is going on here? I'm feeling like, all this what stuff. What do I do? Mm -hmm. It's very strange. And it's a struggle. And it is a struggle at first to stay sober. And it, and it is, but it's so worth it. Absolutely. So worth it. And uh, making amends, which I continue to do. And I probably will the rest of my life, I'm sure, because I'm far from perfect. But it keeps me humble. Yeah. And it keeps me grateful. And and I do do a grateful journal. And and I try to, you know, if I start getting pissy, my kids will tell me, <laughs> do you need a meeting? You yeah. know? Yeah. Which, thank goodness, I have them to keep me on track. Absolutely. I, I find that. Um... And me, them, I, you know, they're yeah. not perfect. And I, and they. They worry me. My son makes beer, <laughs> but he can make it and drink one and walk away. Yeah. You know? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, some people are able to do it. I, I'm just not one of those people that can do that. I think I'm, the humility for me, being humble is a big, it's really important. I And I say, I, I avoid conspicuous consumption and materialism because those are the trappings that create chaos for me because I trying to live above my means is never good. And it creates gaps in your reality where you're trying to be something you're not. That fake layer is very, very dangerous, not just for me, but I think for a lot of people. Everyone. And if you get rid of that fake layer, we are not trying to keep up with, I'm going to say this as kitschy as it is, there's cliche, keeping up with the Joneses. It's a, it's real. It's very real because if you, you, if you get rid of in a positive way, get rid of that stress, that materialism and live simply and minimally and uh, below your means and not worry that like I openly say, I buy my clothes from Target and Walmart and couldn't be prouder to do it. What do I mm -hmm. care if some asshole likes the fucking shirt I'm wearing? I don't give a shit what they think. <laughs> Like in it for a long time, I did. It really mattered. Right. Did, did they like my shoes? Did they like my car? Is my house right. big enough? Fuck all that. That will be the end of me if I go back to that stuff. Thankfully, I won't. Exactly. I mean, it, 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 like I'm what I, I'm, I'm hoping that I won't. Um, but I've, I've done a lot of things to change my life to avoid those kinds of trappings. And now, I love living simply. I, I'm, I'm proud of living simply. I think the real joys in life. You know, you mentioned the 70s. I mean, I grew up, I was born in 1970, but I grew up in the 70s and in the 80s. And part of the joy and the charm of that is I, we never went out to eat. We always ate at home. We always ate mm -hmm. at a family, as a family. We, mm -hmm. we, we didn't have money. We did fun stuff, but we never had money. We didn't know we were poor. We just right. didn't have money. And it, it, there's a certain joy and wonderful component to that, I think, that's it's missing. Simple. It's yeah. And simple. when you try to change that and mm -hmm. we can only go on vacation, if you go to Hawaii kind of bullshit, then stuff mm -hmm. gets, it, everything up. gets 
messed up. So I do want to ask though, um, forgive me is, you know, what's life like now, nine years in sober, very proud of you for that. If I could say that in a, in a, Mm. in a joyful way and not condescending way, please understand. No, 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 no. um, Very proud to know that you're nine years in. Uh, and that Denise is your sponsor, which I think is absolutely magical. One. She's amazing. <laughs> and I love her, uh, which is awesome. So what, what, just in wrapping things up, what is life like for you now? It, it's much simpler. Yeah. Much simpler. So much. I'm, I'm happy normally. I mean, I, I'm having health issues and I had, I had back surgery and so, you know, normal life things happen but you deal with them in a totally different way yes i know that i'm present for my children even though they're adults oh i got to be there for the birth of my first grandson Hmm. um i was holding her legs i don't recommend that i don't ever (laughs) want to do that again Mm, i told her oh hell no she ever invites me again i'm going now there's three of them. I'm going with another one. Oh my God. It's the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever heard in my whole life. Oh, I don't so recommend hard. that. <laughs> it, you know what? It was the best thing in the world, but it's, it's really hard to see your child go through labor. Like, it's not, have, did you see your wife in labor? Yeah, I was in for both of my Can children. Can you imagine seeing your daughter in labor? Uh, I, yeah. I, yeah, it was. Mm, no. It's rough, no. right? Yeah. It, it's just, it's hard, it, it, but I was there and I would have never been there. You know absolutely, what I mean? Yeah. I wouldn't that's, have that's, been a part of her life. They wouldn't trust me with their children. They wouldn't trust me. Uh, I dog sit for the other ones. But they're, you know, having their first babies now. So <laughs> they do let me dog sit. I'm, listen, I'm surprised they let me come to their homes, but they do. They, they do, love yeah. me. Um, and they spoil me rotten. So good. They always congratulate me on my day. It's important to them as it is to me, which is great. And it does take a village for sure. They treat people differently. They treat people with much more compassion and empathy than I think other people do because they've been there and they know that addicts are also great women and men. Absolutely. And that that has nothing to do with. That's right. It's just a struggle that they happen to go through because they have an addiction to something or more than something. Yeah. But they're worth it. We're all worth it. People need to know they're worth it. You're worth it. Your life's worth it. It's so much better. And you meet all these, Anthony, look at all these people now you know. Yeah. I'm but if you're, really if you're having a struggle, do you think if you called any one of us that we would hang up on you? Not a chance in the world. You would all take my call anytime, day or night and, and exactly. talk me off whatever ledge I needed to be talked off of for sure. Exactly. And that, it, that in life, if you, my dad always told me, if you can have one friend in your lifetime, one good friend, consider yourself a lucky person. It, absolutely true. And look Absolutely at how true. many people you know would come to your back. You know yeah. what I mean? That's yeah. a great feeling. It really That's is. A I, great I'm feeling. Absolutely. This is a big, scary world. It really is. And I'm so grateful to have all of the wonderful guests that I've had on my show. I mean, you realize that 
our this recorded this episode is my 59th episode. I've just released wow. episode 41 with Denise. And you are today as we recording you this is episode 59. Wow. And I'm so lucky and grateful and humbled to be able to say that. I, like it, I, my mind is blown um, with that, those numbers and, you know, um, put it this way. It helps me get out of bed in the morning in a wonderful way. It gives me joy right. to, to do the show and to help people, uh, li- the listeners, and then to hear the wonderful stories and to meet the wonderful people like you, Angel. I, I really am honored to be on this side of the microphone and, you know, we've laughed. I teared up a little bit. Like I love. I know. See, I told you this is what you do. (laughs) This is what you do. And And it's wonderful. And that's why I reached out to you. I was like, oh my goodness. I said, he really loves his guests. And that's how it seems. That's how it comes across when you listen. Well, thank you. I wish you could hear what we hear. Well, thank you. You know, (laughs) then, well, then you would know, you know what I mean? Then you would know. I really appreciate that. And you're going to make a difference in this whole big, scary world. Well, and it you. matters. It matters. Well, that really just, you made my day. Um, wow. Oh. I'm going to end on that because I am so grateful for what you just said. I That is so magical to me. Thank you. I'm so glad I met you. I really am. Well, thank you very much. I am and I'm so glad you know all my friends. This is I so do. Cool. <laughs> I love that we all know the same people. This is great. And Angel, it has been an honor to get to know you and hear your story for the fourth time told. I'm so honored that it was able to that your fourth time told was on the show. So thank you very, very, very much for being a guest on this Metal Life Podcast. Well, thank you, Anthony. It's nice to meet you.